Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. many have happened in my life before. Yes, I believe in miracles. Yes, I believe in miracles. Yes, we do. I do uh-huh. believe in miracles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. You speak English? Uh, I speak a little English. Little English. Okay. Do you know what a, a miracle is? Like a miraculous? Like. I'm an agnostic. Okay, cool. But I, I do believe in miracles. Cool. I mean, you know, sick people get well again. and. Right. It's just sure, yeah. I think God works miracles. That's what I think happens. Yes, miracles happen. Yes, miracles happen. I do believe that miracles happen. I believe in miracles can happen. Yeah, I guess. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. miracles for sure. Yeah. Do you? Why is that? I don't know. (laughs) Miracles happen every day in the world, man. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. What about you, sir? I agree. Miracles happen every day. Man, I'm digging the hair. That's what I'm talking about. I'm still here. That's a miracle. I totally believe in miracles. I've never seen one. I don't believe in it. Uh, You've got to be able to touch something, I think. Thirty-four times in three and a half years. Thirty-four times in three and a half years. There were different occasions where signs or miracles, if you want to call them miracles, were a part of Jesus' life. 34 different recorded moments in Jesus' experience here on earth in a three and a half period time frame where the supernatural interrupted the natural and caused something to take place. And just to be honest with you this morning, I really don't have any issues that Jesus worked miracles. I have no issues with that because the fact is is he was and is the Son of God, and isn't that what the Son of God is supposed to be able to do? I mean, aren't miracles and signs what deity does? Miracles. If, If Jesus could not have performed any miracles, we would have questioned whether or not he was actually who he said he was. So I have absolutely no issue and no problem with the concept that Jesus performed miracles. I have no problem with that. I don't know where you stand, but I have no issue with that. My issue with the concept of signs or the concept of miracles comes from two statements that Jesus makes in the New Testament that talks to us about us. And when we read the two passages of Scripture that I'm going to read to you, at that moment I begin to have issues with miracles and signs because of what Jesus says. Let let, let me share with you what Jesus says. He says in John chapter 14, verse 11 through 14, if you want to join me in your word, you can or it's on the screen. It says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these 
Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Second passage, Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 14. It says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their, un- uh, with their, their unbelief and the hardness of of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up servants and if serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to, unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following a man. Different version, one passage there. And the disciples went everywhere preaching, the master working right with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. So my issue this morning is not with the concept that while Jesus walked on the face of the earth, while he was alive on this planet, my issue is not that while he was here he performed miracles and worked signs. My issue is that he makes the statement that upon his departure, two things are going to happen. One, we will do greater things than he did. Do I need to remind you what he did? He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He healed leprosy. He healed blindness. He healed the lame. He he raised people from the dead. And he declares that we as believers, as followers, will do greater than what he did. And then he says, if we have faith, that we will be followed by signs. My issue this morning is this. Everywhere I turn, I see believers walking through their Christian life that are not doing things greater than Jesus did, and they are not being followed by signs. They're being followed by sickness, and they're being followed by depression, and they're being followed by divorce, and they're being followed by addictions. But I don't see very many, if any, believers walking around that are being followed by signs. So something is wrong. I, I, you know I don't often read long quotes, but I came across a quote that may be one of the most powerful quotes from A.W. Tozer that I've ever read, and I'm going to read it to you. Let me just give you a preface. I honestly believe, I said this to the worship team before service this morning, you've got to understand where we're going. I honestly believe that this series is a foundational series for our church. We either get this, or we become marginalized and we become a normal church just like all the other churches up down the strip and in Oklahoma City. And as Dr. Carpenter said, why would anybody drive past another church to be a part of our church? I believe it is wrapped up in what we're going to talk about during this series. We either come to the place where signs begin to follow us or what do we have that anybody should want? And so we got to grasp this. A.W. Tozer says it like this. Listen carefully. Please don't. I know what happens during quotes. You tend to just, 
zone out. Listen carefully to what he says because I think he nailed it. He said, the power of God is released into the church only when she is doing something that demands it. By the word doing, I do not mean mere activity. The church has plenty of hustle as it is, but in all of her activities, she is very careful to leave her fallow ground mostly untouched. She is careful to continually continue. She is careful to confine her hustling within the fear-marked boundaries of complete safety. That is why she is fruitless. She is safe but fallow. Look around you and see where the miracles of power are taking place. Never in the seminary where each thought is prepared for the student to be received painlessly and at second hand. Never in the religious institution where tradition and habit have long ago made faith unnecessary. Never in the old church where memorial tablets plastered over the furniture bear silent testimony to a glory that once was. Invariably where daring faith is struggling to advance against hopeless odds there is God sending help from the sanctuary miracles have accompanied our advances and have ceased when and where we allow ourselves to become satisfied and cease to advance the creed of power cannot save a movement from barrenness catch that the creed of power we can stand in here and talk about the fact that we believe in power every Sunday we can say with our mouth that we believe in signs and until we see them and believe for them just the creed of power will never save us from barrenness then he goes on and he says there must also be the work of power a little self-examination will reveal that it and its members have become fallow. It has lived through its early travails and has now come to accept an easier way of life. It is content to carry on its painless program with enough money to pay its bills and a membership large enough to assure its future. Its members now look to it for security rather than for guidance in the battle between good and evil, it has become a school instead of a barracks. It is, its members are students, not soldiers. I don't want you to be a student. I want you to be a soldier. We are in a fight. They study the experience of, experiences of others instead of seeking new experiences of their own. The only way to gain power for such a church is to come out of hiding and once more take the danger-encircled path of obedience. Its security is its deadliest foe. The church that fears the plow writes its own epitaph. The church that uses the plow walks in the way of revival. So I came to declare to you this morning that we need to look at signs, we need to understand signs, we need to believe for signs, we need to talk about signs, we need to expect signs, and yes, we need to see signs coming after us. So what stops us from seeing signs? Sign stops. What in the life of a believer and in the life of a body will cause signs to quit taking place in our midst. I'm going to give you three things. They're going to be tough things, but I want you to catch them. The first is this. When we begin to chase what is supposed to be chasing you, signs will stop. 
A resurrected Jesus very precisely states that signs will follow them that believe. He did not say that we would follow signs. See, we are sign hungry because we are sign deprived. If there were signs taking place in our midst like there was supposed to be, we wouldn't be so sign hungry. I want you to be hungry for signs, but the dilemma is this. We become so sign hungry that we will fall for any scam, any charlatan that rolls into town, any latest fad that comes across the airways because we are so desperate for signs that we will follow a fake like that because we don't see the real thing chasing after us. If you want to see a sign, quit chasing signs and let signs chase you. Why are we chasing what should be chasing us? I'm going to tell you this morning that Jesus says signs should be coming behind us. I, I just want to say to you this morning that I don't want you to be a sign chaser. I want signs to chase you. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church this morning. If you got a chase, chase his face. If you would just get into the presence of God and chase his face, I can promise you that his hands aren't far behind. But we get it wrong. We we want all the signs. I, I just need some, I need me some gold dust and some gems falling from the sky, and, and I'll, I, I told you it's going to get tough. I'll drive hours to get to it. Why don't you stay home and get in the presence of God and bring it with you? I, I'm thankful for all the revivals going on that have ever gone on. I, I visited some of them when we were in Greenville. Uh, it was when the Brownsville revival, some of you know what I'm talking about, was going on down in Pensacola, Florida. I loaded up in, a, in an RV and went to see what was going on. The only problem was is that it ticked me off because I started got there and I started thinking, why can't that happen here? Why is it necessary for me to spend my weekend on the road going to see something eight hours away when I serve the same God in the same power? Why can't I just get serious enough about God and the people around me get just serious enough about God that we usher in the same kind of move in my presence, but we want to go chase it instead of living on the fact that it should be chasing us? Second. I think we suffer from sinophobia. I made that word up. We're afraid of miracles. They're too extreme. If we be no no listen. If we become sign chasers, then what will happen is we become like the Pharisees. And you will remember that they begged Jesus over and over, give us more signs. Give us more signs. We want to see signs. We need to see another sign. And Jesus reprimanded them. Y'all remember that? He called them an evil generation because you want to keep seeing signs. If that was our problem then I would say that's our danger. But our danger is, is that we see so few signs and the truth is, we want to see less because they scare us. 
and so we are scared signless. What happened in Luke chapter 8, verse 37, takes place in most of the churches I've been involved in, and I declare it is not going to happen here, but I'm just going to tell you what happens. Luke 8, 37 says, Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear, so he got into the boat and left. You know what's happened, right? Jesus has just cast a legion of demons out of an individual that has been living in the cemetery. I've preached to you about that passage before. You got a demoniac making his home in a cemetery so utterly bound that he cannot be contained, he cannot be chained, he can't wear clothes, he is out of his mind with evil. And Jesus walks on the scene and in one moment sets him free, right? And now we read that when the people see this man in his right mind, clothed in his right mind, they get so scared of Jesus' ability to work signs that they ask Jesus, leave us alone. We are more comfortable with the sickness and the bondage and the devastation and the addictions than we are with your miracle working power. And so they say, leave us alone. For some reason, if we are not careful, we allow miracles to scare the Jesus out of us. I don't understand what it is, but if we are not careful because we are so petrified of miracles and we've seen them abused, I understand that. We have seen miracles manufactured for man's glory. Those are not the kind of miracles I'm talking about. We have seen miracles offered up for pay. I am not talking about that stuff. I am talking about the fact that we we see genuine miracles take place and it scares us so bad that if we are not careful, what we will do is we will dismiss Jesus from our church and from our lives and our services become normal see I'm convinced that we are more afraid of lack of control than we are afraid of lack of miracles because it seems safer and it seems more comfortable to live and to worship without signs because newsflash miracles require danger Miracles require resistance. Miracles are messy. And we don't like to deal with the mess. How are we going to get drug addicted people set free from drug addiction? You got to be around them. That's dangerous. How are we going to get people who are addicted to alcohol into our church to become whole again? It's dangerous. You've got to hang out with them. How are we going to see relationships rescued and broken marriages fixed? It's dangerous because you've got to get to the bottom of what's going on, and it's messy. It's safer to have church without miracles. But I came to tell you this morning that you cannot get a front row seat for God's miracles without also taking a front row seat to the danger and the opposition that coincides with the need for the miracle in the first place. The people who get to experience the power of God are those who actually are in need of seeing that power manifest on their behalf. 
So we've got to come to a conclusion this morning as a body. I am challenging you. This, by the way, if you haven't figured it out, this message is not to encourage you. This message is to challenge you. And here's the challenge. Are we willing to do supernatural business naturally? Because here's what I know. We know how to do church. I don't even need Jesus to do church. Most of you don't either because you've been in it as long as I have. You know how to sing. You know how to shout. You don't even have to feel the spirit move. In fact, we've been taught not to wait on feelings. We know how to just do it. And if we're not careful because we're afraid of miracles, we will manufacture a move and do supernatural business naturally. We have a decision to make as a body this morning. You have a decision to make as an individual believer. Am I willing to settle for natural when I've been promised as part of my heritage and my inheritance supernatural? The third reason that I think stops, there's thing that stops signs is this. We assign signs to superstars. Most believers believe that God did the miraculous. We have no problem with that. We've read every account in the Bible. We know he's in the miracle working business. But we just think that he did it through men and women of God who are so incredible that we don't have the ability to match up. In fact, if you really get to the bottom of it, we think that they were special people out of the ordinary people who had this special DNA infused in them that we just don't have. But I came to tell you that they were ordinary people. In fact, they were jacked up people, just like you and me. They were prejudiced people. They were unintelligent people. They were rebellious people. They were broken people. And God still had the ability to work miracles through them. We relegate signs to the superstars of old. We read through Scripture and say we're not like them. And we relegate signs to the superstars of today. If, if they have their name or face on a television program, or if we see them on the cover of a Christian magazine, in our mind we think that they are promoted to the front line. They must have been in a different line than we were in. And they got some kind of handout or gifting that we've never seen and never will be able to access. And I just came to tell you, your face may never grace the cover of Charisma magazine. And there may, TBN may never beat your door down. But you have the same access to the miracle working power of God just as much as any New Testament person or just as much as any modern-day oil slinger ever had, if you have the power of Christ that raised him from the dead dwelling in you. Any believers in the room? Anybody in here believe in Jesus? I mean, you've given your life to, okay. Then let me tell you, that is the qualification. You've got everything that you need. 
You have all the power, all of the authority to honestly believe that I can go and I can lay my hands on somebody that is sick and I can trust God that at that moment there will be miracle working power and because signs follow me and he promised me that everywhere I go I can lay hands on the sick and I can trust God and say, you know what, I'm just not going through the motions. I got power in me. You can lay your hands or pray for people that are depressed and discouraged. And you ought to expect that all of a sudden peace and joy flow through their soul. You ought to be able to rub shoulders with someone that is bound by alcohol or bound by drugs or bound by pornography and actually believe that at the moment, if I could just get up against them, if my shadow could just walk past them because I'm the same spiritually infused person that Peter was and that Paul was and any other disciple, if my shadow goes on, that I should have so much Jesus in me. That addictions ought to fall off of them when they come into contact with me. We've watered this thing down. We've assigned signs to superstars. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're a rock star. Tell them. You may not have a band, and you may not have lights, and you may not have the ability to preach, and you may not have the ability to scream, and you may not have all. But if you have Jesus in you, newsflash, write this down. This will help you. You don't have to drive a Bentley to see miracles. You don't have to live in a mansion to see signs. You don't even have to wear a white suit. I can't wear a white suit. I would look like Casper the ghost. Not Why do we relegate the power of Jesus? To those guys, because they're weird? Because they are weird. In fact, they're freaks. Let's just say it like it is. They are freaks. But I would like to have one thing to have, the faith to actually believe for what they believe for. Because that is the qualification. He says, here's the qualification. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and greater. That's it. No special diplomas. No special genes running through your body. No special blood flow. All you've got to do is have faith. Problem is, we don't have any faith. Why do we need signs? Why do we need signs? Why can't we just do life and do church without miracles? Why can't we do It's safer. It's more comfortable. It requires less from us. Why can't we just live without signs? I believe that it is very apparent from Scripture and what Jesus said that there are two reasons that we need signs in our lives and in our church. I'm not going to be satisfied. I don't care how big Passion Church becomes. I believe the prophetic word has gone forward. You've heard it countless times. We've said it ourselves. Dr. Carpenter repeated it. We are as small as we will ever be. I don't care. Bring me 30,000. And everybody will be beating our doors down asking how we did it. But if we do it without signs, then we're doing it naturally. 
well, you say, are you saying that every church of 30,000 did it? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they did it with miracles or they wouldn't have done it. In order for us to become all that God wants us to become, we have got to embrace this aspect of our walk again. Why? Two reasons. Number one, signs show the lost. They show the lost. I read to you out of Mark chapter 16. We love that passage of Scripture. We always focus on verse 15, which is the go passage. Remember that one? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We love that portion of text, man. You can get people to amen that text. If they won't amen, nothing else. When you start preaching, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Man, they will amen you and they will fund you. People will throw money at that verse of Scripture all day long. In fact, we do that. 1% of everything we bring in every Sunday morning goes to missions. Right off the top. Before we do anything else, tithes and 1% go into missions. And so we support missionaries. Jackie Davis going to Indonesia, Jen and Brandon uh, helping church plants all over the world. We believe in this passage of Scripture. We will amen that and throw money at that portion of Scripture all day long, and we will take part in that portion of Scripture all day long. But we will also stop reading. Because that's safe. That just requires that we send somebody else. Verse 17 and 18 states that signs will follow us. And then in verse 20... He tells us why it's so important. Because what happens in verse 20 is it reveals that the signs validated the going of the disciples. Did you catch that? Verse 20. I, I wasn't going to read it to you. I'm going to go back and read it. Verse 20 says this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Signs validated what the disciples were actually saying. You're not going to like this. The truth is, is that nobody believes what we're saying because we have nothing validating it as truth. Go to your workplace all day long and tell them that Jesus can change your life all you want to. Tell them that Jesus can heal the sick all you want to. Tell them that Jesus can break addictions all you want to. Until they actually see it happen, why should they believe you? Our witness is being affected by lack of signs. Why is it good news? You know what, I've seen people argue that God can't heal the sick until he does. And all of a sudden they believe. I've seen people argue that God cannot heal broken hearts until he actually does it right in front of them. And then they can no longer argue that it's real. I want to tell you this morning that the reason that we need signs is that it validates what we are saying. It's not enough to walk into these apartment complexes. It's not enough for you to walk into your job. It's not a enough to walk into your lost family and declare that Jesus saves and Jesus delivers and Jesus breaks bondages and bre Jesus heals relationships if it's not actually happening. Why should they believe you?
signs validate God to us, but the real purpose of signs is they validate us to sinners. I want to say to you this morning, and we are not going to go here. We, I, I declare right now, we will not go here. Because what I have seen happen is that most churches and most Christians that I know have perverted this and made signs about validating to one another. My sign is to impress you as a fellow believer and get me a bigger stage than your stage and I can do signs better than you can do signs and my gift is more powerful than your gift and we've perverted it as a sign show. It has no effect on believers or on, on sinners because there's nowhere around us. We just come and do our sign deal together and we try to impress one. If you can do this, I can believe for this. And if I can, and we try, we have perverted it to make it about us. Your sign was never intended to impress the person sitting next to you that is also a believer. Your sign, the sign, the power, the anointing, the gift of God that operates through you, that miracle working power was intended for one purpose and one purpose on and that is to gain the attention of a non-believer and cause them to want what you've got in fact I, I, I went back and looked and when Jesus was our model on earth the signs that he did actually caused the believers to get mad but it drew the unbeliever why is it that the signs that we like to get involved in, I ain't even going to go there. Listen, if we would ever get this element operating in our midst and operating in our lives, we would never have to beg people to come to Jesus. Our movers would be beating the doors down. I would get calls from the police. They are trying to get into the building at midnight. Why? Because they need to be set free, and this is the only place they know to come and get that. But instead, we have to beg and plead for months on end. If we would ever grasp this concept and get it moving and operating in our lives, people would run to us and say, please give me what you got. Signs convince the sinner that the message is true. The other thing that signs show is this, they show lack. The absence of signs reveals the lack of faith in us. Jesus proclaims that anyone that has faith will do what he's been doing. So if we are not leaving a trail of signs behind us, that must mean, apparently, you've got to take the logical conclusion, if we're not seeing any signs, then we must not have any faith. I have a question. How is it that we have faith enough to believe for salvation but not enough faith to believe for healings and deliverances and restoration. I don't understand that. Think about this a moment. The creator of the universe responds to somebody that has hit their knee and said, save me. He responded to the point that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross. Why, if we can believe for that, which is the greatest miracle of all, that God would want to have anything to do with us, and not only that he wants to have something to do with us, but that he makes access through his own son's death to get us there. That is the greatest miracle that's ever been done in, the, in our history and ever will be done. And we can believe for that just like that. But somebody walks in here with a cold and they go, mm, have you seen the doctor? 
Yeah, they came to see the doctor. We see people walk in with marriages falling apart, and we go, oh, it's over. Too far gone. We see addictions, people walk in with addictions, and we go, man, they're just going to be like that the rest of their life. Why can we believe for salvation, but we don't have enough faith to believe for miracles? Signs reveal the lack of our faith. I want us to begin to expect signs when we're together. I want us to stir up our faith. Hear me. I want you to do it before you get here. There's an old quote that I learned back when I was a youth pastor that I've never forgotten and has impacted my life. Some of the students that I worked with at Southwestern when I was campus pastor heard it until they were sick of it. But it is the honest to God's truth. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. We don't have miracles because we don't really expect miracles. And so I am encouraging you and challenging you that we need to enter every service when we're together corporately expecting God to heal people, to transform lives, to break bondages, to rescue relationships so that we will begin to see signs in our midst not to glorify us. I promise I won't wear a white suit. And if you try to pull up in here in a Bentley because somebody paid you for a miracle that you worked in their life, I will slash your tires. That is not what this is about. This is about us becoming this place here on Northwest Expressway where God has handpicked and hand-prepared this place so that people can walk by and go, my life is going to hell in a handbasket. And I've tried everywhere else. And I'm going to try one more time. And they walk in and they don't get a cute song and they don't get a cute sermon and they don't meet some nice people and then go right back out into their addiction. I do not want you to relegate miracles to me. To my prayer team. I want you to understand that what God is challenging you to do this morning is to become personally followed by signs. What is following you? I want us to begin to pray prayers that are worthy of our God. We're praying to a God whose capability always exceeds our, our audacity. Do you understand that? We are praying to a God that we do not have to worry that we're ever going to put God in an awkward or embarrassing situation. He can always come through. So I didn't come to encourage you. I came to draw a line in the sand and say that from this day forward, 
We either go through forward in the power of our own might. Or we go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to start dropping signs behind us. I want to tell you this morning as I close that signs are nothing more than little breadcrumbs that you drop behind you so that I can leave a trail for others to follow me to where I got it. That's what it's about. You know what? If we don't see, start seeing signs around here, you know what I'm going to conclude? We got no faith. That's pretty tough. Have we seen signs? Absolutely. We've seen God's hand of provision at every turn. We've seen some of you, your lives have been changed. I'm just not satisfied. us to expect them I don't want to manufacture them I don't want to chase them but I do want you to expect them I do want you to believe for them and I want you to start practicing them Mike and Tina would you help me on that counter right there next to that camera there is a stack of white cards they're going to start handing these out because <clears throat> I'm going to expose us <laughs> here we go I'm going to expose us in the community as whether we're the real deal or we're just a fraud these cards are not for you although if you need one you are more than welcome to make a copy over the course of the next few weeks, I, I'm going to keep handing these out every Sunday over the course of the next few weeks. And sometime here in the next few weeks, I still haven't concluded when, we're going to bring all these cards together. In fact, if you get one filled out this week, just bring it with you. I want you what I want you to do is take these cards to your coworkers, to family members, friends, schoolmates, whoever, and just start talking to them. Do you have a need in your life? What's your need? Hand them the card. Get them to fill it out. They don't have to sign their name on it. We didn't ask them for their name. If they want to, fine. If they need more room, right on the back. Get their prayer request. And at some point here in the coming weeks, month, whatever, I don't know, what we're going to do is we're going to bring these cards together. And we're going to see if we're real about this because we're going to start praying for these things. We're going to lay hands on them. In fact, we're going to take one whole service. Now, you want to get exposed. We're going to have a miracle service where you can bring your need, your sickness, your relationship, your addiction, your brokenness, your suffering, and come and find people that will believe. But we're also going to take all these cards. We're going to divide them up in the categories, physical, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual, whatever it was. And we're going to take significant time during that service, and we are going to stir up the faith. we got to have faith, y'all. We are going to stir that up and actually believe 
that he can actually do what he said he'll do. If you need more of them, we'll give you more of them. I want you to take more of them. I want you to get like 30 of them. Bring them back. I want to stack this high. Y'all didn't catch that. Because I know this. There are people around us that have needs. Being cute won't fix it. And as much as I love creativity, creativity won't fix it. Being cool, wearing cool pastor shirts, and as Chris put on his Facebook, like an MMA and all that stuff, will not resolve the cry of their heart. Father, you have challenged me. tired of trying to do and accomplish what can only be accomplished by the supernatural through my own natural ability. Help us. Stir up our faith. I ask you to validate what we're doing at Passion and validate what these individual people are doing in their daily lives with sons. I declare we will not take the credit. We will not take the glory. We will not pervert it and promote ourselves. We will allow all glory and all honor and all praise to go to you. Challenge us, I pray. Challenge our faith level. In Jesus' name. Two things and I'll let you go. One. Get those cards filled out and start bringing them back too. Mike Baker is going to be in the West Lobby. We haven't announced this in a while, but we're going to start announcing it again so you can take advantage of it. If you need extra prayer this morning, if you really need a touch from God today, Mike is positioned out in that West Lobby not to shoot the breeze with you, but to pray for you. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I bless my people. I pray that this word would turn over and over and over inside of them this week. I pray that they would begin to glance over their shoulder to see if anything is following them. I pray that they would honestly and sincerely begin to believe for the supernatural in and through them. 
I pray that they would begin to have their faith stirred so that they will once again, I don't care if they've been Christians for 40 years and have become tired of believing for things they don't see, I pray that something would go off in them this morning and you would renew that belief and that faith. And I declare over every individual in this room today that you qualify. If you have faith, if you believe, you qualify. Send us into our communities to draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to go this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.